Okay, thoracic trauma. Here is your preview question. Patient is brought to the ER following a high-speed MVA. Large right-sided pneumothorax is diagnosed and a chest tube is inserted. Follow-up chest x-ray demonstrates a chest tube in place still with a residual pneumothorax. Large air leak is present. The best next step in management of the patient is. Good. So, bronchoscopy. If a you know a, a large air leak, uh, insertion of a second chest tube isn't a bad. That's not a bad uh, response either. I don't think. Um, so, uh, this goes back to your uh, general surgery, thoracic uh, or trauma, rotation, ABCs, airway, breathing, circulation, D disability. So your primary survey first, um, volume replace, re-expansion of a collapsed lung as soon as possible, and then a secondary survey. Sometimes uh, this will include a FAST exam. And you remember FAST is the focused assessment for the sonographic evaluation of trauma. That's the FAST acronym. And there are four positions in a FAST exam, right upper quadrant, left upper quadrant, subxiphoid, and pelvis. And then you can also evaluate both uh, thorax for any uh, hemothorax or pneumothorax there as well. So you can look at five views and get a pretty good uh, idea of something going on. So we're going to talk about blunt and then penetrating uh, thoracic trauma. 25% of all trauma deaths are thoracic trauma and 70% are blunt. So overwhelming majority are, are gonna be the blunt situation. So chest wall injuries, um, fractured ribs in adults and children. Uh, the number of fractured ribs correlates with mortality. Higher number of rib fractures, higher mortality in children and adults. Uh, they can be unilateral, they can be bilateral, uh, costochondral fractures can cause a complete disruption of the chest wall and result in this paradoxical motion that we refer to as a flail chest. Um, that can often require, especially in elderly patients, uh, intubation and respiratory uh, support. Those. Uh, Patients greater than 65 are five times more likely to die from uh, some simple rib fractures. Most of the time that's due to some of the complications and underlying pathology, not just the rib fracture. So the complications of vent support include pneumothorax, tracheal stricture over the long term, and uh, sepsis. The uh, first rib fracture will often prompt um, further diagnostic. Most of the time we use CT scan uh, now and very seldom do we go with aortography. But indications uh, for that would be a widened mediastinum on chest x-ray. These are 
kind of the Kirsch and Sloan classic indications for further aortography or CT scan. Widened mediastinum, absent pulses, pulsating supraventricular or supraclavicular mass, or some type of brachial plexus deficit, and also a first rib or a clavicle fracture. Pulmonary injuries can ov obviously result uh, rapid decelerant deceleration injuries, and it's mainly the result of this huge transfer of kinetic energy uh, with these high-speed MVAs. Uh, pulmonary contusion is by far the most common uh, trauma situation you will see in a chest. Okay, that's the most common injury by far, is pulmonary contusion. And that simply is basically a lung bruise. And you get alveolar hemorrhage into uh, the lung parenchyma. Pulmonary contusion and an ISS score greater than 65 uh, has a large risk of developing ARDS. Tension pneumothorax, hemothorax, and hemoneumothorax are also uh, things that can develop in uh, pulmonary injury. Parenchymal tears, uh, traumatic pneumatocells, these are more common in young patients. Here's a lung uh, attempt at a repair and one of these large deceleration uh, tears and injuries. And uh, just try to preserve parenchyma and uh, get it back together. Here's another example of that with a nice uh, repair. And those, especially in young patients, will heal uh, quite well. It's amazing what their chest x-rays look like you know, three months down the road after a, a big injury like that. Tracheal injuries, uh, most common locations are uh, high in the neck or down near the carina. Uh, about 75% of all uh, tracheal injuries will occur, in terms of blunt trauma, will occur down near the carina, okay? And uh, so that has some implications about how you uh, repair or how you approach these. Remember that in a tracheal injury, uh, if it's in the top half to two-thirds of the trachea, probably approach through a cervical incision. If it's in the lower third or half, then you start thinking about right thoracotomy, okay? If that ever comes up on a test or an oral exam question, and I mention that simply because it came up on one of mine. Uh, crush injuries, tear injuries, airway obstruction, and uh, you've got to get an airway established. Uh, if the injury is in the right bronchus, obviously you can put a, a left double lumen tube in. If it's in the right, or if it's in the left bronchus, you can main stem a single lumen tube down the right. Uh, but they also, you know, make right in, right, uh, tubes as well. Penetrating usually occurs in the cervical uh, trachea. Uh, fresh injuries can be closed primarily. Blunt it can lacerate or sever the trachea. Repairs to just reapproximate, intubate distal or place uh, a tracheostomy distally. A vertical split at the carina. Um, that's going to cause unilateral and sometimes bilateral uh, pneumothoraces and is assessed with uh, bronchoscopy. Um, traumatic uh, occur because of the common wall between the two organs and prompt repair is indicated uh, to
to avoid a lot of contamination of the mediastinum. Uh, here's just a cartoon of uh, an esophageal and a tracheal laceration injury uh, with repair. And uh, it's important, they demonstrate here, to get some type of muscle flap, intercostal, a grillo flap or patch in between because without fail, those will fistulize as they heal. So you've got to get some kind of tissue in between there. So some other considerations in this left main bronchus lacerations to be approached through a left thoracotomy, all others through the right. Uh, recurrent laryngeal nerve and function of the larynx should be checked and documented before surgery as this is at risk uh, during your repair. Temporary or permanent dysfunction is possible uh, due to the injury or from your surgery. Okay, bronchial injuries. A majority of these are within two centimeters of the carina as well. Right-sided injuries are uh, believed to be more common. About 50% are associated with the pneumothorax, so early recognition and repair. Major airway injuries, large pneumothorax not relieved by chest tube placement, or if they have a, just a massive air leak, are suspicious for major airway injury and they need to do a bronchoscopy to definitively diagnose that quickly. If a major airway uh, is, injury is suspected um, at the time of uh, emergent thoracotomy, go on the right side. You'll have more access uh, on the right. Short longitudinal tears are most likely uh, to be managed non-operatively, and then major injuries should be closed with interrupted sutures and so you'd use just like a, a 3040 interrupted PDS or a Vicryl. Multiple rib fractures is an indication for uh, some type of surgical stabilization of the rib, uh, particularly in flail uh, injuries where there's multiple uh, displaced fractures. And here's a good example of a caved-in chest where you would try to get some of those uh, reduced and repaired. Uh, patients who fail early, optimal non-operative management uh, regardless of their pattern, and if there's a large pulmonary contusion and uh, brain injury, uh, those are still not absolute contraindications. So cardiac injury, um, again due to the massive transfer of kinetic injury with rapid deceleration usually, steering wheel, uh, and uh, myocardial contusion, we try not to use the term myocardial contusion anymore. It's the, the more proper term is blunt cardiac injury, okay? Uh, in the literature, you'll see that. And, uh, so coronary artery injuries causing uh, even an MI. Um, hypotension refractory to volume. Tamponade can result. Uh, significant myocardial dysfunction. Uh, arrhythmias, uh, right bundle branch block is very common, valve injuries, and even a VSD. This shows a, a VSD in the membranous uh, septum due to uh, a, a tra traumatic cardiac injury.
So blunt cardiac injury versus um, MI in blunt chest trauma, the true incidence is unknown. There's really no gold standard for diagnosis of this problem. Wide uh, variability in the incidence of the injury can be 8 to 70% of recorded cases of blunt chest trauma. Uh, sternal fracture doesn't seem to correlate. The diagnosis of contusion versus MI can be uh, very difficult, so you need to look at enzymes, uh, though they're not specific. You can see elevated troponin in someone that doesn't have uh, an injury and you can also see it in those patients that do. EKG can be very nonspecific, but the change over the course of the patient's uh, hospitalization is important. So get a baseline EKG and then follow that over time. Changes will dictate what you do. Some anatomic factors. LED is the most frequently involved coronary artery, obviously due to the anterior location involved in about 58% of MIs due to blunt chest trauma. The RCA rarely involved, left main and circumflex very infrequent. Uh, ST elevation uh, is more associated with MI. Nonspecific flattening or T-wave inversions are more a sign of some type of contusion or blunt cardiac injury. And then uh, ventricular arrhythmias are the most concerning Right bundle branch block is the most common conduction defect. EKG evidence of frank MI or cardiac injury. Uh, so criteria for admission uh, for blunt chest trauma, new arrhythmia, ST changes, uh, any heart block, left bundle branch or right bundle branch, uh, a sinus tack. If there's a marked rhythm disturbance, uh, you should watch them for at least 48 hours. And this approach detects not only myocardial contusion, but also some patients with some pre-existing cardiac disease. And you always have to recognize that that may be part of the picture as well, particularly in older patients, uh, older than 50. All right, on to penetrating chest trauma. So chest wall wounds, systemic chest wall arteries, uh, they can also be to the IMA, intercostal arteries. Intercostal arteries can bleed a huge amount. Uh, uncanny how much an intercostal artery injury can bleed and how fast uh, it can bleed. Uh, so don't underestimate uh, intercostals. Uh, pulmonary vascular system, uh, hemothorax, hemoneumothorax, and then um, pulmonary wounds. These rarely require lung removal, and if they're central, they're more problematic, and so you, need, you can control bleeding with a Hyler clamp technique, and then uh, assess where the bleeding is from and try to get repair. The incisions for vascular injuries, uh, sometimes these are hard to get to. Uh, the innominate artery, proximal subclavian, uh, usually some type of sternotomy or trapdoor incision there. Uh, the distal carotid or subclavian, supraclavicular or anterior extension uh, into the neck. Distal subclavian and axillary artery usually requires an infraclavicular incision. Proximal left subclavian, left-sided posterior lateral thoracotomy. You can also use a left anterior thoracotomy in that situation. 
Other approaches to expose the left subclavian artery, trap door, supraclavicular incision, and resection of the medial third of the clavicle uh, is also. So th those are some of the hardest exposures. And um, here's a diagram of a trap door uh, going to the right. That can also be performed to the left side, obviously. The left anterior thoracotomy, if you did do, use that for a uh, subclavian injury, go, go a little higher than normal. Left anterior thoracotomy classically is through the fifth or sixth, fifth or sixth just under. If you're going for a subclavian, go in the fourth. Okay. Thoracoabdominal wounds um, have a very high mortality. Uh, you need to remember the diaphragmatic anatomy. And uh, here's a uh, just a chest x-ray and CT scan with some uh, abdominal content in, into the uh, uh, left chest. So penetrating chest uh, trauma, wounds at the base of the neck. Uh, diagnosis is usually by arteriography, also CT scan. Uh, contrast studies, and then also endoscopy. If there's platysmal penetration, then that warrants exploration. And median sternotomy with lateral e extension is uh, the uh, exposure. For heart, uh, anterior wall, RV injuries, much more common than LV injuries, which is very fortunate because those are much easier to, to fix. Uh, valvular injury, regurge with uh, a new murmur. Uh, this can cause uh, septal injuries, also resulting in a new murmur or some type of shunt. Traumatic LV aneurysm, uh, pseudo, particularly on the in inferior uh, wall there, and uh, missile emboli. Uh, coronary artery injuries uh, can also result, and if there's associated cardiac dysfunction, then those probably should repair, be repaired on bypass and with, with an eye to putting a graft on and harvesting some conduit. Remember Beck's triad uh, in evaluation of tamponade, small quiet heart, elevated venous pressure, uh, decreased arterial, arterial pressure, uh, the so-called pulsus paradoxus, which is a, a decrease in the pressure with uh, inspiration of greater than 10. Pericardiocentesis can be done, and then, you know, if that doesn't uh, fix it, and usually the person doing the pericardiocentesis, you want to leave the catheter so you can monitor this. Don't just do a pericardiocentesis, suck out 100 cc's of blood and remove your needle or catheter. Uh, it's got to be followed, and if it keeps coming, then, then is when you go to the OR and do a subxiphoid window and make sure that uh, you've got control. And then ER thoracotomy if, if needed. This is improvement in an SVO2 tracing after relief of uh, an effusion. Here's kind of a di diagram cartoon of uh, technique for pericardiocentesis and subxiphoid window. Uh, so a word about ED thoracotomy, and these are important uh, numbers to keep in mind. Patients with penetrating cardiac injuries are most likely to survive resuscitation and an ED thoracotomy. And uh, even with that, it's the rate's 13% survival with an ED thoracotomy. 
because once you've done it, you still got to get a good repair. And unless it's an RV injury, that's, that's unlikely. Um, it's tough to get someone with an LV injury to the OR before they exsanguinate. And even if you do get them to the OR, an LV injury is really tough to get. And you should probably plan on uh, putting them on bypass. Trying to get an LV injury repaired off bypass is futile. No survivors from ED thoracotomy when pre-hospital CPR is prolonged. Five minutes if non-intubated, 10 minutes if intubated. Here's the technique, fourth or fifth intercostal space. And um, so here, here's an ED thoracotomy, uh, found a, an RV injury and was able to get a stitch in that, a pledgeted stitch. When you're doing uh, heart repairs in the ER like this or in the OR, hopefully in the OR, an MH needle is key, okay? An MH needle gives you enough radius to get a good bite. Don't use a small needle on these things. You're not going to get enough tissue, okay? And always pledge it, particularly if you're dealing with an LV injury. RV is a little more forgiving. So the methods of repair, atrial lacerations, uh, you can fix ventricular lacerations, particularly RV, pledgeted sutures. Again, LV, you probably need to go on bypass to, to get control of those. Coronary artery lacerations obviously need to be on bypass to repair those and possibly even do a, a new graft. Usually you're not going to take the time in a multi-injured patient or even in a, a penetrating situation to take down a lima. So you just get a quick piece of vein out of the leg open and, and get it done. Uh, septal defects, obviously, um, on bypass to repair valvular, subvalvular injuries. And then uh, this inflow occlusion technique can be, can be used to uh, stop the flow, uh, particularly in right atrium and left atrial injuries to occlude the vena cava, cross-clamp aorta after the heart empties, suture the, wound, suture the wound real fast while the heart's beating slowly and then release the clamp, okay? Here's another uh, large pledget, large Teflon pledget, big MH needle, and some proline, so. Here's a obviously on bypass uh, attempt at repair of missile injury. Penetrating wounds of the trachea and bronchi, signs and symptoms will be hemoptysis, wheezing, dyspnea. Uh, they can oftentimes have some sub-Q emphysema and then pneumothorax or pneumomediastinum. Uh, diagnosed with bronchoscopy, usually a collar incision, as we mentioned, for the upper half to third. You can do right thoracotomy for the lower portions. Midline sternotomy is also an approach. Um, important to document the vocal cord status preoperatively. And then as you're repairing, make sure you evaluate the esophagus. Air embolism, uh, this, this is an important uh, thing to mention. Suspect if there's evidence of a stroke or cardiac function or cardiac failure shortly after initiation of uh, ventilation. So what's happened is there's, there's a pulmonary injury and you've just given them this massive air embolism that went to the heart, coronary arteries, or to the brain. Uh, 
uh, once you intubated. So the treatment is with thoracotomy, clamp the hilum, expose the heart, uh, vent the left atrium, LV, and the root with needles, and then try to get a repair on the fistula. But, you know, uh, these are usually fatal events. And you've got to, you've got to recognize that, that this is a possibility because of the extent of the pulmonary injury before you go intubating them. If you don't recognize it after you've intubated, it's, it's over. Penetrating injuries of the esophagus, um, most of them are iatrogenic. There can be penetrating cervical injuries, uh, knife, knife wounds, um, foreign body injury, gunshot wounds. Sometimes these, the symptoms, they're unrecognized, or the injury is unrecognized, and, uh, but this can be rapidly fatal. Esophagram is the most important uh, diagnostic, and then broad spectrum uh, coverage with antibiotics. Borhoff syndrome, uh, about 40% of these patients, uh, probably up to 50%, half of them, have some type of alcohol problem. So a large correlation and association with alcoholism and it's post-emetic rupture of the esophagus. Signs and symptoms are chest pain, dyspnea, problems, tachycardia, and uh, they, they look sick. Treatment uh, is to drain it. Uh, often you can stent uh, over the defect, uh, but sometimes they just need to be widely drained. And uh, a lot of times they'll have so much debris and dinner <laughs> in uh, the chest that you just got to go in and clean everything out and then repair what you can uh, in layers and then widely drain it. We had one of these last weekend. ARDS, in terms of post-injury care and complications, uh, can occur in up to 40% of thoracic trauma patients. Infection, sepsis has to be prophylaxed against uh, PE prophylaxis. Air embolism, we talked about, tracheal and vascular injuries uh, related to uh, prolonged intubation. And usually the rule is, you know, two weeks. If, you, if you're not going to get them off the vent in a couple of weeks, you've got to be thinking about a, a trach or uh, atelectasis, cardiac arrhythmias, and then CHF. Indications for VATs in thoracic trauma, any ongoing hemorrhage, retained hemothorax, or persistent pneumothorax to evaluate, pericardial window for relief of cardiac tamponade, management of thoracic duct injuries or evaluation of those injuries, treatment of post-trauma empyema, and then also removal of foreign bodies. Contraindications to VATs, hemodynamic instability, if there's a suspected cardiac injury or great vessel injury, and if they can't tolerate single lung. Some relative contraindications would be a coagulopathy or if they've had a prior thoracotomy where there's going to be a lot of adhesions and you're not going to be able to get a good view. So some thoracic uh, trauma caveats. If you find yourself thinking, I wonder if, uh, probably go ahead and investigate it. If you can't find the source of bleeding, check the left atrial appendage. That's kind of a cardiac uh, caveat. If you retrieve a missile, make sure you maintain legal custody. All right, your follow-up question. Which of the following is correct regarding blunt cardiac trauma? Number one, sternal fracture is an accurate predictor of blunt cardiac injury. 
Number two, the right coronary artery is the most frequently injured epicardial vessel. Right bundle branch block is the most common conduction defect. And elevation in serum troponin rules out contusion. This, this really ought to be 100%, right? I think we hit every one of those. Almost. Excellent. So right bundle branch block, most common. All the others are kind of false. 